Hello, everybody. It is imperative, as always, to like, subscribe, and to share the fuck out of this podcast. Um, everything you guys do counts. I think about it all the time. I dream about it at night, and my heart is filled with joy every time I see likes and shares. So keep doing that. <laughs> um, before we start the episode, a couple announcements. Um, first one, I want to give a shout out to my homeboy, Lolo Savage. Um, he has been selling a fuck ton of his new t-shirts. If you haven't ordered those, fucking check that shit out. I am broke and will not be able to buy one this time around. But um, if someone wants to buy one for me, well, no, they can't. He sold out of the large. I just found this out today before the fucking intro. He sold out of the large. God damn it. Um, but anyways, that motherfucker, he has a really... Um, a what's the i cannot fucking think today i took i picked the worst goddamn day to do a podcast you'll see in the episode i cannot i just there are words that just cannot come to my head um long anticipated there we go um this long anticipated project of his um unstable um all caps unstable is dropping december 21st of this year um he's been teasing for a while um his last album was it blackout i think it was blackout uh, his last album was tight, and he's a close friend of mine, a veteran in the podcast. We're going to be having him on uh, a couple weeks before that release. So, um, But just I just want to keep that in, or get that in everybody's head to um, watch out for that release. It's going to be Fire Fuego. Um, last announcement. Uh, on October 31st, we're going to be off schedule, and we're going to be doing our first live episode on that saturday uh i believe we're gonna be starting at 10 8 or 10 i don't remember i don't remember what time we had initially we'll announce it the next episode or um yeah but so we're gonna be having a live episode that day so i want you guys all if you guys are losers like us and you don't want to party for halloween uh, if you're just gonna stay in and dress up in costumes and watch horror movies um Tune into the live episode. See what's up. We're going to be just hanging out, drinking, talking about horror movies, having a good time. Um, it's going to be our first live episode of the episode. Or first, <laughs> first live episode of the podcast. So, yeah. Feel free to stay tuned or stay tuned and tune into that. Um, yeah. I guess that's all I have for announcements. For, yeah. So, shit. I'm out of it. <laughs> the episode today. Um, Zane Hinky, got the last name right this time. Um, he does. He has his page called Inspired Finds, and he takes antique items and he um, refurbishes them in ways that is very interesting, unique. Um, for instance, there was a bench where he took parts of a car and he attached it to the bottom of the bench, and um, just weird stuff like that. Almost very. Like that movie Nine, you ever see that? Where it kind of like Fallout almost even, kind of that style. Um, it's really weird and bizarre. This man is 22 and he has his own fucking business. He, it's probably shit. The the amount of impressivity behind his entrepreneurship skills and how far he's come and what he does is impressive as hell. And um, I really hope he keeps doing stuff and does more in the future um and this was a great 
This is a great episode, great conversation. So, without further ado, here's the episode. All right. We've had a couple false starts here, but <laughs> we're here. We're present. Fresh start. Fresh start. Um, all right. McAllister Hours, as always, I'm your host, Colin McAllister. Um, today, you're joined by Zane Hen... Fucking Christ. Kinky. <laughs> yep, there Jesus. you go. I, I got right the it first time. Kinky. Kinky, yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> kinky the Hinky. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I was mentioning before, <laughs> um, you got some really cool uh, artifacts. Um, you do... what? What's kind of all you do? You do lamps, you do tables like what what's your uh i you know it kind of started out just being a vintage antique dealer at a young age but anymore it's okay. kind of blossoming more into design it's kind of how i market it so it's not to the point where i obviously go into someone's space and tell them paint that color this wall you know whatever it's more so i do custom work so that whether that's a table a lamp i've done club chairs um pretty much just anything furniture wise um think of like home furnishings places to accent a room to make it feel more homey you know and less of just a, a space so I try to personalize all of my pieces to kind of fit people's interests too when it comes to custom work. And then all of my pieces, like I said, I used to kind of be a vintage dealer and whatnot. So all of them usually involve some element of repurposing. Okay. So I, how much, I guess, how much of your work is like building things from scratch versus taking things and refurbishing them in that sense? You know, uh, the refurbishing part is honestly like where the passion lies. Most of the stuff that comes okay. from building from scratch, that's usually when the custom work comes in. So I'd say probably that about, I don't know, 20% or like, you know, uh, yeah, about twenty percent or so is building it from scratch. A lot of the other ones are repurposing. Um, okay. I guess in another sense, though, you could even say that repurposing is still building it from scratch because, like, with my tailgate benches, although it starts as just a tailgate, the rest of it you're, you're literally building from scratch. So, you know, it's still the same idea of you know just being handy from the start. Okay, so how did you get into this? Like, what what was the you know this is kind of a um, specific thing to get into, right? How did that come about for you? Well, I mean, as far as the hand me- handyman skills and such, my dad, he's an industrial tech teacher at the high school. Okay. So he's been a teacher of shop classes, wood classes, all that for all of his career. And so mm-hmm. growing up as a kid, you know, I was always out in the garage with him. In high school, I never took a class with him, didn't want my dad as a teacher, but we're still learning those same principles at home in the garage. Um, as far as how vintage and antique stuff got involved, that was actually just kind of out of situation. So my dad used to go to auctions a lot as well. I suppose he'd kind of be the... Uh, the mental, I guess, in this entire process. He kind of didn't necessarily see it as starting a business, just saw it as, like, time with the son. And then over time, it's kind of formed into a, a passion in a business as well. Okay. So this was something that he was interested in that you kind of um, grasp onto, or how did that work? Yeah, so essentially, he used to go to auctions mostly for, and I mind you, this is around, I'm, I'm 22 now. This would have been around age 9 and 13 or so. That, that early is when I first kind of get introduced into vintage items. So he would go to auctions for tools or furniture or whatever. And I would see something kind of cool and vintage go for like two bucks and whatnot. And then he would also take me to an antique store later, just pure coincidence. And I'd see that same thing priced at $20. And so as a young kid, I was thinking I can do that. So yeah, as, as a young kid, he used, he used to kind of buy stuff for me for like, I don't know, a summer. And then he's like, well, hey man, if you like all this stuff at the auction, you're gonna have to earn some money to buy it. You know, I'm, I can't keep buying all this stuff that's at the auction. And what are we gonna do with it? So I ended up getting a lawnmower at an auction. And at like age nine, I was mowing lawns in my neighborhood. And I used my lawn mowing money to buy stuff at the Wednesday night auctions. And now I take all these auction fines. Now I take them down to the local antique dealers and whatnot and sell them out of my backpack on a bicycle. So that, that was like all circa 2012. Wow. And yeah, so that's kind of how it all kind of, I guess the beginning forms of it, how I got into vintage stuff. 
And then as far as where the business is at now, that's just kind of been shaped over the last seven years. Wow. So you, you've been doing this for a while then. How, yeah. So how old are you then? 22. Wow, you're 20. Wow. So when you were 12, no, no, 14. When you were 14, you had your official... Yeah, the name. I started keeping books, records, as far as like accounting records and such. I literally say about age 14 is when I kind of treated it as a wow. business. Before that, I was treating it more of like a hobby. Like, cool, I bought this for five bucks and sold it for 20. Awesome. And then around, yeah, age 14, I, I really started thinking of it more like a business. Wow. That's a, that's truly uh, innovative. Like, uh, that's like that's almost inspiring to hear about someone who is taking a situation and like, you know, truly advancing it. Sure. Wow. Sure, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's really awesome. So uh, I don't even know where to go from this. Like, I guess what maybe go into detail, like what is like the process when you're when you're getting something at an auction and like what what do you look for like in, a, in an artifact sure. like, when you're doing that? Sure. Um, over the years, I've kind of just picked up a, an idea for what's hot. You know, as a young kid, you just kind of find stuff that is interesting to you. So I remember... You know, imagine a baby buggy or a baby store. They've got these wire wheels, and they, they kind of look cool, but as a whole baby buggy, it's like, what am I going to do with it? So I used to pick up baby buggies and strollers because no, no one else at the auction would want them. I'd get them super cheap, and then all I would do with them is just take off those individual wheels, and I'd throw away the baby buggy, and then I'd put those individual wheels as, like, stands and props, and kind of become like assemblage art pieces. So imagine, you know, it, it might be hard to picture, but when you get, you know, one wheel, it's like whatever. But when you get a series of a whole bunch of things that serve the same purpose, but now the little tiny differences are all being like observed when they're all in the series, it kind of becomes art. So I, I used to do a lot of that stuff just with my own eye and I've kind of always been creative by nature. Um, otherwise these days, I, I've been doing it long enough to know what's hot. So I, when I see, you know, vintage cameras, uh, vintage smalls or like toys and whatnot. Those things, they're just always kind of going to be around and desired for nostalgia's sake. Okay, so part of it's like keeping up with the current market. Yeah, the trends. Yeah, oh, okay. Of course. So, so there's a lot going into this. You're yeah. doing a lot of research. Wow, um, that's some like that's some top tier level shit. I'm not gonna lie, man. Thanks. I'm uh, I'm really impressed. Um, let's let's look at your um, some of the stuff that you brought sure. over yep. here. Yep. Yep. Can I give people an idea? And we, um, right. Molly, you want to pull up his Instagram? We can look up that too. So, this year I really got into lamps. And before this, I've always done lamps before, but this year in particular, I chose to get into it because I wasn't sure when my next show was going to be with COVID. And before this, I used mm. to do about four to six shows a year, but everything was getting canceled. And so I didn't want to build a whole bunch of big tables and be like, where am I storing all this? So I'm like, well, lamps are easy to store. I could put those in a side bedroom at home. So I started doing a lot of lamps. So this one is the first one of its kind. Originally, this mm. base was a desk lamp, just just a desk lamp. Up here, there was a shade. So uh -huh. all I added was I removed this long metal shade and then added on these little ball bearings pieces so you can pivot it and then mount it on binoculars, uh. of course. So really, the hardest part about this was removing all the glass lenses from the binoculars. So these were super greasy, grimy. I had to remove all the guts of here and then, of course, figure out how I'm going to fit wire nuts, a porcelain socket, all those pieces inside this tiny little space. Wow. So that was kind of the challenge of this one, but I'm super stoked with how it came out. It almost reminds me of like when you're a tourist and you come up and put your eyes to see the Seattle Space Needle or whatever. Mm. So I, I think it's got a really neat look to it and a huh. pretty Art Deco base. Wow. You have such an interesting uh, perspective on everything. Like it, it's interesting like hearing you even like talk about, you know, this, like because the top part seems to naturally fit with the bottom. Right. But it's, but, you know, thinking about how it works and you describing how you made it, you realize that's not. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, what what was it that we? It was the, you ever hear of the movie Nine? Um, yeah, okay, I know, the animated one. The yeah. Sock, sock monkeys, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah your yeah. style is very reminiscent of that. Yeah, kind of steampunky a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, it's really cool. So, is this a hot item for you right now? You know, this is actually the first of its kind. I made this around July or so. Okay. And then, it mostly just been in my house at storage. I haven't really had a whole lot of shows. But it's gone to one shop in Minnesota, and then one in Bloomfield. And then currently, it's at Petals and Moths, which is a plant store there in the East Village. Um, otherwise, as far as hot items... I'll take wagons, a regular child's wagon, and I'll cut those in thirds. And I, I might have a picture, but I'll probably have to scroll a, a, quite a ways back. But at any rate, I'd make them into a planter. And so you could hang it on the wall. You could put, it's actually pretty versatile. You can put plants in there. You can put spices, toilet paper, whatever. But essentially, it's a shelf in which the side, instead of seeing, you know, just a piece of wood, you see the side of a wagon. And it's got the graphics of the text of Radio Flyer. So those are super popular. Um, otherwise, anything with cameras are really popular. So I'll take cameras and make them into lamps. I'll make them into uh, most lamps, I guess. I, I've got a couple of ideas, but I haven't really, uh, you know, ex- done them yet. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, no. This... Anything automotive is also pretty hot. So automotive stuff's kind of hard for me to find these days. But if I can get an old Jeep grill or a Ford mm. tailgate stuff like that, those things are usually quick movers. Yeah, what was the one piece that I saw? Um, it was like a part of a car on a stand or something like that. Uh, if it's recent, it more than likely would have been um, a bench. I had a custom yeah. client from Pella. She was ordering. Oh, one. really? Yeah, that okay. was actually a custom one. Oh, so no she way. met me about a year ago and then called me. So I was happy, you know, to hear I made that big of an impression on her, of course. And she called me around August. There's the picture of those wagon shelves that I was referring there in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So imagine a series of those with plants or wow. with toilet paper, whatever, and it just looks like a piece of art while it also serves a purpose. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely kind of the Pinterest trend right now. Sure, for sure. Sure. Yep, that Jeep bench should be right towards. The ah, top. yep, Bingo. yep. There we go. Yeah, so this was a custom build. Uh, the lady met me about a year ago, like I said. And she just said her husband is a Jeep enthusiast, and she was really wanting to do something for her husband's birthday gift. And she said she really wasn't sure what. She goes, I've seen a couple things online that I like. Uh, I kind of think maybe something outdoorsy, whatever, you know. So I ended up kind of drafting up this idea. And her initial idea was just to have a wood seat, you know. But the pick I went to to get the Jeep girl, they happen to have a tailgate, too. So I wanted to combine the two, you know. Why make two separate pieces? They go together so perfectly. Mm. And then if you click to that next picture, that seat, so when it's not in use, you see the logo... Whoops. No. Yep, other way. So on I the know. individual post there. <laughs> no, they're, they're one, one sec, Molly. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> that, so click that picture again. This one? Yep. Yeah, then there's the arrow in the picture. Oh. Bingo. So when you're using it, the tailgate folds down, and that's where you have the seat, of course. Okay. Damn, that's really cool. Um, so how, like, how much of your stuff is like custom versus just original? Oh original concept cut most stuff. of it is actually original concept yeah okay. i this year i've done like six custom pieces so really not as many okay. as you'd expect uh last year i think i did like eight or so so honestly custom work it's like once a month once every two months you know it's, it's not mm-hmm. as often as you'd think um most of my my time and revenue is spent from doing original ideas and then taking those products to junk shows and lately antique malls as well i've got a booth at brass armadillo and the pickle nose okay um so not to get too personal in your business, but where would you say most of your income comes from then? Probably shows. Okay. Yeah. Shows, okay. shows is a pretty reliable thing. And by shows, I, I describe, you know, a lot of people kind of relate vintage antique stuff with flea markets. 
I don't necessarily do flea markets. It's just a different buying crowd that comes. Mm. So, like, to name a few, Junk Bonanza is a really good one in Shakopee, Minnesota. And if you go there, you'll see all the vendors there, they're artisans. So you'll find, everyone kind of has their own little niche or style. You'll find, like, shabby chic furniture. You'll find handmade jewelry. Uh, it's, it's just, like, a giant assemblage of creative artists. And they're all, maybe some are working with vintage materials. Maybe some are working with their hands in other ways. There's, there's one lady who's really cool who... She, she does, you, you sit down at the profile and she takes black paper and just looks at you and cuts with scissors and cuts out a silhouette. And it, it looks like you. It, it's awesome. I, I think she might have been from the Minnesota as well. But you hold up this black piece of paper that's been cut out and, you know, right next to you and it's got your nose, your glasses frame. It's like, how would you even discover you have that talent? You know, it, it's, wow. it's really cool. So it's, you know, Junk Bonanza, it's like an assemblage of just a whole bunch of really talented people. That's yeah. interesting. Like, what part of Minnesota is that in, then? Uh, it's in Shakopee, which is a little southern of Minneapolis. So, if you know, like, it's a, it actually had a horse race arena. So, Canterbury oh, Park okay. is, it's kind of like Prairie Meadows out here. That's where it's hosted. But it's basically Minneapolis. Shakopee is just a suburb of Minneapolis. Okay. Yep. And so, you said you did, like, four to six shows a year? Yep. yep. So, how far tra- out are you, like, traveling for those? Usually? I like two and a half, three hours. Okay. Most. So, it's all yep. still pretty All local. around the Midwest. Um these days, it's mostly just the morning in Minneapolis, but I've done ones in Omaha and Kansas City before as well, and then, like, other towns around Iowa. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you and a lot of people, there's a lot of, you know, obvious anxiety and tension around COVID. Um, I think what we're, I think you were mentioning that your your shows have kind of been limited since of course. this whole thing. I can imagine that. Um, yeah, that's all really sad. Um, do you have, like, do you have any uh, plans for, you know, if this – you know, ensues past a certain point where, you know, shows maybe aren't as possible. Do you, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on what you might do at that point? I'm hoping to get more into the custom market. So, okay. you know, I, I say I do custom work like once a month or so, but really that's just because I'll do custom work because I enjoy it and whatnot, but honestly, I enjoy working on my own more. It's less mm. draw, drawing a picture, sending a picture just to be, oh, well, I'm thinking this instead now. It's like a lot of back and forth, you know? And uh, of course, I love working with the customer, but if I, sometimes I just have an idea, like I just want to do it, you know? So, should live events not really come back, I'll probably do a lot more promotion towards custom work. And mm. by that, I was thinking I'd probably order some brochures in which each mm. brochure, you know, encases my work. And I'd like to actually do like four themes. So let's imagine one brochure has nothing but pics of bike-related things. I've done a lot of stuff with bikes, tables and meals and coat racks and whatnot. Maybe another brochure is nothing but automotive themes, like benches and furniture pieces and whatnot. Another one would be all cameras, etc. And then I like to disperse these brochures at those respective places. So put the bicycle oh, brochures okay. at bike shops around the state, put the automotive brochures out at auto dealerships and uh, car mechanics and places like that, go to car shows and distribute those, and literally plaster all over these brochures, redo custom work. So that's probably like my backbone idea. Okay. I think that would certainly be successful. It's just a matter of, I personally like working off the top of my head better than doing custom work back and forth, you know? Mm. But, you know, should custom or, you know, live work not really come back, I think that'd be a, a pretty fair path to pursue. Yeah. Um, I Like, I understand what you're saying. Custom work can be very infuriating. Um, I've done art pieces for people uh-huh. and stuff. And those experiences, for the most part, have gone really well. But um, I've heard plenty of horror stories. Have you, like, have you ever done a work for a client and they've just fucking hated it? I have not. No, I've been super blessed. <laughs> That's I, good. That's yeah, good. I have been blessed in the sense that sometimes I'm given creative freedom and other times mm. they're really checking in like every week you know how's it looking how's it looking you know we're thinking this they want pictures i've had both experiences but at the end of the day when i deliver it they're always astounded so that's that's awesome that's good that's good and so and you said this year especially has been a uptick in that for you 
the custom work? Uh, not necessarily. Um, okay. This year, it's been more so an uptick in having my stuff in physical spaces. I so see. since June, I've now started the booth at three different stores here in the mm. metro. Okay. Um, I think that is one of the that is one of the good things about living kind of here in Des Moines, Iowa. Is I feel like we're one of the last cities that are really you know, still trying to kind of have that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Mavio Muse closed, a couple other um, live venues have closed. That's just kind of what I'm more familiar with. But um, sure. it is good to, you know, it's good to see people that are in this area um, doing that kind of stuff. Of course. Um, so, so do you, you said you do, it's mostly custom. You're taking from, um, you know, the, the markets or whatever uh-huh. um what what do you do like custom made like you said you do do you do a little bit of work woodworking yeah yeah i do woodwork welding um wiring for lamps obviously okay um that, that kind of encompasses all of it I, you can build a, a table with wood you can build a table with steel it's like those are like my three skills i guess is welding okay. woodworking and wiring okay so did you go to school for any of that or was it all this was all taught in my garage by my dad wow it's, yeah so it's, it's very impressive i mean he's still around to help me you know he's got <laughs> two years to retirement um, oh, for a long okay. time, he might do stuff like on the miter box saw and table saw and stuff like that. But anymore, I've been doing it long enough. I can just kind of go out in the garage and go, you know. Um, there'll be times where you just need a second hand and he'll come out and help. So got to give mm-hmm. the credit to him, of course, because he's, he's always been a supporter and taking the time. And he might want to watch who knows what at home in, in the house. And he'll come out on a hot summer day and give me a hand with something when I need it. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's it's that hasn't been a sole proprietorship by any means. Yeah. So are you are you with your parents or do you do it at their place or how's that? All? Do you have your own shop? Sure. Yeah. So I, I have an apartment here in Des Moines, but okay. my workshop he's got a three car garage. Mm-hmm. So I, I travel back to Winterset just a half hour drive as well yeah. and walk there each day. Um, Long term, I'd probably like to get a storefront with a shop included here. I'd that'd be like maybe eight or ten years from now. But okay. Des Moines or maybe another city that have a good market. I'd like to have like a big warehouse that has, you know, a workshop and then a storefront and it just kind of all encompassing building. I, I think that'd kind of be the dream. Well, I, I, you know, for how quickly you've, you know, come and how far you've come and just, you know, starting very independently like you have, I think that would give you, uh, you know, an edge against other people and, you know, other markets. So, um, so have you lived here in Des Moines your whole life? I have or? not. I've always been in Iowa. I okay. came to Des Moines about three years ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, did you live in a small town, like Pretty or much. what? Okay. Yep. So I grew up in Boone, Iowa, and then my junior mm-hmm. year, 2015, I actually moved to Winterset. So this is kind of an interesting note: is my dad being a teacher in industrial tech and shop classes, a lot of these skills and trades are kind of going by the wayside. You know, like if you listen to Mike Rowe at all, that guy that does dirty jobs. You know, mm-hmm. he's a huge advocate for this to bring skills back into the education system. It's like for mm-hmm. years, students have been, you know, go to college, become an accountant, become a lawyer. You know, it's like. We need plumbers, we need electricians, we all do. that stuff, you yep. know. Well, a lot of school districts across the country are kind of axing those programs. So that's what happened in Boone. So my dad was a teacher there for, I think, like 11 or 14 years or something like that, but quite a while. And they ended up, due to budget cuts, getting rid of the program. So now, by now it might have changed, but when I was there in 2015, Boone didn't have any woodworking, any welding class, or any of that available oh, to the student. Damn. So that's kind of what prompted us to look for a move and brought us to Winterset. Damn, that's yeah. sad. Um, is, is Boone by chance in Northwest Iowa area? Um, it's Central Iowa. It's right by okay, Ames, Iowa mind. State. I'm thinking of something else. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is a really kind of sad fact of education as I feel like the focus is a lot more in practicalities. It's, it's almost like it's part of a system. Like, it's expected that you go to college. Yeah, I know. I know. You know? Yep. Now, did you do college at all? Um, I'm actually in college right now yeah, for okay. the third time. I see. <laughs> 
that's okay, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing it. Uh, yeah, you know, it's something. I'm doing a video production right now. Is my main thing. Cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it is it is like a, it's a fickle game, man. Yeah. Like the thing that the reason I've always quit and the reason I've always just fucking hated is like I know it's a fucking game that you're playing mm-hmm. with these motherfucking people. Like, oh my god. Like, you know, you have, like, educators who just have an ego that's so fucking big and, like, their entire logic for everything is just, like, the only reason is because you have, you're in your fucking head and you have this whole mantra of what you want to do and it's all fucking screwed up. Sorry, I know your father's an yeah. educator. I'm not necessarily saying this is sure. him. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who like whatever whenever it comes to like their grading or their homework like they're so fickle about things and they're like they they impose their entire worldview and like the entire population i can't stand those fucking people i see i, I see. feel I've like been, i've been fortunate i haven't had any instructors that go that far that's off good. to that spectrum you know i mean i'm not saying that <laughs> maybe i perceive a lot of it i don't know i i don't think like every instructor is like that but i've had plenty of situations where i just feel like instructors just have like like their entire, like I said, like their entire worldview just imposed on people. Mm-hmm. And I think as an instructor, like in a public setting, especially, you gotta be able to like work with other people. Sure, you gotta be non biased with what you're teaching. Exactly, sure. exactly. Sure. You know, not even to get polit- not to get political, but like that was kind of the big thing. Like back in 2016, it's like when Trump won. Like all these teachers were like teaching in all these public schools, like all this crazy rhetoric, and just was you know public school like in like a. You know, non related class is just not the place for something like that. I see. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess it's really sad. Sure. um, So, I guess when you're not doing this kind of woodworking stuff, what are your other, like, hobbies and interests? What are you doing? Uh, I like movies, that's for sure. Fuck Um, yeah. I'm definitely a movie buff. Uh, It's sad to say I haven't taken the time to sit down and watch movies since, like, I don't know, (laughs) July or so. It's been quite some time. But, yeah, I used to go to the theaters all the time. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I really enjoy movies and keeping up with the news there. Hell yeah. Um, I, I'm a huge movie buff myself. So right. um, we've actually been rehashing the old. Uh, we just got done with the Friday the 13th movies. We were watching a couple of those Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. You like horror at all? That's actually my least favorite. Really? Yeah. My my favorite is probably historical, which I guess you could say some horror is historical. Oh, okay. But I really like movies that are like based on true stories, whether that's a war movie, whether that's a business movie like mm-hmm. Wolf of Wall Street. whether okay. I mean, I just like movies where it's like afterwards. I'm not necessarily only just thinking about the movie, but I'm also like, I want to research and see how much of this shit actually happened. Or like, I want to just read more about the events of the people that this movie was about, you know? Even if it's like a biography movie. You know, I, I like movies that are, are kind of based in fact. Mm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head that's really good. A biography movie. I like, uh, I don't know. Did you see that 1917 movie? Yeah, that was dope. It I, was. I liked that one a lot. Um, a good biography movie I thought had um, Gary Oldman playing uh, <laughs> The Darkest Hour was the name of the movie. Did you ever see The Darkest Hour? I'm going to look that up. That sounds familiar. Is that uh, political or whatever? Yeah. Um, a movie that comes to mind that's not really historical, but have you ever seen There Will Be Blood? Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Like, I not, have. not With exact- Daniel Day-Lewis. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's a good movie too. Yep, exactly. Not... Um, not like exactly that uh that you know accurate and historical and true but like the time period that they depicted that's the one thing about tom paul thomas anderson he is always amazing at that right um yeah this sounded familiar yeah, Winston Churchill. That was the name uh, I was thinking of. Okay, That's okay. a really good biography movie. And honestly, Gary Oldman is unrecognizable. Like, if you go through the set photos, dude, they've put so much prosthetics on him, dude. Uh, he, You can barely even see it's Gary Oldman. And he gave a great uh, performance. Yeah, it, it's a really good movie. Huh. Oh, damn. 
<laughs> you know, this does sound familiar now that I'm looking back on it. I don't know. It's it, I feel like ho- Hollywood is like dying in a way. Yeah. You know, especially with COVID. Yeah. Like I feel like the last three years you see all these movie trailers and these movies coming out and I feel like the older you get you just realize like how much of it is all the same. Yeah. You know, and that, it, I, that's kind of why I almost it's almost hard to like think of a biography movie like that because um, like so many of them these days you know, it's everything's like based on a true story. Mm-hmm. You really wonder you know, is there anyone? I don't think there's anybody fact checking the fuck out of any of this. Sure. There's nobody that's yeah. like there in the screenwriting sure. process. Like, um, did Harry S. Truman actually say? You know, like right, like, right, 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 right. So, I mean, that might be really fickle of me, but now nah, you're probably right. <laughs> probably right. Otherwise, I definitely like movies that make you think. Like, obviously, Christopher Nolan's a goat. Mm. Uh, I like any movies that app, that you have to figure it out as you're watching. Did you see Tenet, the, the newest one? No, I did not. Uh, I, I saw it twice because the first time I was pretty uh, mind fucked. I really didn't understand really? it much at all. Okay. But uh, yeah, by the second time I watched it, granted, I did watch an explanation video in between the two. So I watched, you know, okay. I, I cheated so. a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> the first time I went through it, even after leaving the screen, I was still super confused. So I went back a second time and enjoyed it much more thoroughly. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, uh, it, do you think it's a sequel to Interstellar? I haven't read any uh, theories about that. Really? Uh-uh. That was a big thing when it was coming out. Like, the trailers were like, oh, this is a sequel. Uh, having seen it, I would say it has no correlation with Interstellar. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah it, but, it, you know, I, there's tons of theories out there. You know, people look really deep in new movie. Maybe there's some Easter eggs that are planted. You know, like the whole Quentin Tarantino movies on the same universe. There's enough Easter eggs about that and whatnot. You know? uh, so there might be some Easter eggs that it is a sequel to Interstellar, but I certainly didn't pick up on it. You know, I really think a lot of that's just people that have way too much time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, For sure. <laughs> like, all this Easter I, I get that, like, sometimes artists do put Easter eggs and things, but I wonder, like, like what is it the the theory of Pulp Fiction, how all the clocks in the movie are the same? And I don't even think that's true, but, like, you know, it only takes someone that, like, has no time in their hands yeah. to, like, go through that and be like, yeah, it's there! It's there! <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, no, uh, Interstellar, that movie mind fucked the hell yeah. out of me. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, I went to go see that in theaters with my roommate in college, and we, like, left the fucking thing, and it was, like, a ha- we were, it was, uh, like, a half-hour drive probably away from where we were in college, because we went to the next city in Sioux City, and then we drove back, uh-huh. and, uh, we did not, like, talk the entire car ride back, we were just so fucking blown away. Um, that movie has had a really weird place in my life. I've been, like, in really like odd places whether it's like before a divorce or like in the middle of like some really rough shit and just watch that movie and like there's something about like how time parallel and you know all the themes that go into that movie that just really mind fucks you uh-huh. and it really puts you in like a really humbling weird place I don't know yeah um, otherwise The Prestige oh, that yeah. might be one of my favorites it's too. been a long time that I've seen that I mean like probably six years plus if I watched it again I wouldn't say it'd be a new movie but it would certainly uh you know, feel different than it was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christian Bale also was just a fucking fantastic actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you ever see him in The Machinist? I did. I did. Gruesome to watch, man. Look that up. He. I don't know if he might hold the record for the most weight gained oh, and yeah. lost. I think he does. He does. It's, he's... Wait. Well, so how much... Look up, like, how much he's... Like, before or after or something. Yeah, before yeah. or after, yeah. Because he's been both really fat and really skinny in plenty of roles. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, he gained a bunch of weight for Vice. Yeah. Yep. Vice, he gained weight for that one, that one movie. Um, 
Uh, the one in the 70s, I don't remember. Too many fucking movies. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> I don't know. That's almost like why in recent years I've... Oh, that's... He was skinny as fucking... Uh, Dallas that's not... He wasn't no, in that. He wasn't in that. <laughs> so look up, like, how much how much weight he's gained and lost. American Hustle. That's the one you're thinking of in the 70s. That's what's Yeah. Oh, American Hustle. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that movie entirely. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but you know, like <laughs> it, it's always, you see these like actors in real life and you know, it's interesting seeing them in real life compared to like in the movies, mm-hmm. you remember how they're just like regular normal people. And generally they're like fucking morons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you hear them talk about like any like major serious thing that's going on. And they just do not know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so I don't know. We're Americans. We don't know kilograms, man. <laughs> we need our own metric system. Okay, well, this is taking too long. We, we he he's he's gained and lost a lot. It's, right. It's like yeah. it's like a hundred pounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, how is uh how's COVID been affecting you? Uh, I know we kind of talked about it with the shop, but like I guess otherwise, like how how's that been going for you? Uh, honestly, it hasn't changed my life a whole lot. Really? Um, okay. I'm still kind of hung up on what to think about it. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah. the, it certainly exists, obviously, but I think the case numbers might be a, a bit exaggerated. You know, I, I've left I, I'm glad you say that. Yeah, I, I think the I case agree. numbers are, are totally exaggerated. But, uh, you know, I, as far as safety goes, I mean, I don't know. I, I wear a mask when I'm, like, in a store, per se, but just I, I'm not a super mask mandate freak about it by any means. Yeah, it's... I'm not sure what all this is going to bring either. Uh, I hope our economy is going to flourish from all this. I'm just kind of hung up on it. I don't know what to think. Um, no, I, I think you, Emily, have a lot of the same feelings I have. Yeah. Um, they've actually, yeah. I've heard reports that there's like a 25% um, like um, variability between like the actual COVID numbers and the, uh, you know, what they report. What, what they report. And people don't acknowledge that there's a huge incentive to market death as COVID. They they get don't the hospitals get paid? Yep, they yeah. get they get so per death hospitals get paid always get paid a certain amount of money and with COVID it's you want to look up those numbers, um but was it? I found it? Oh, you already found it? No, it's because she failed things. Uh, okay, so let's look. Oh, he went up to two hundred twenty pounds and he went down to one. So not quite a hundred pounds. So he's ranged from 220 to 135. That's pretty fucking crazy. That's basically that's 85 pounds. That's mm-hmm. insane. Um, but anyways, uh, there, but there's a there's from why if I remember this correctly, there's like a they get two and a half times more money if it's COVID death versus a regular. You know, sure. There are people that will commit. I've heard you know people commit suicide and they'll mark it as a COVID death because yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah COVID. Kind of you know, they have it in their system. Or, and I have heard the arguments where it's like it's speculative as to like you know if they're sick with something else and then they happen to have COVID. But like, is that really a COVID death? Right. And like it, you know, is that the same type of COVID death as like someone dying from COVID? Right. Like the there's a problem when they're not differentiating them and when there's an obvious financial gain from it. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely don't agree with. Um, it says that they get paid more for treatment, not necessarily deaths. Okay. Oh. It's from ABC News. Well, that sounds even, I mean, shit, because they can treat more people than have people die, probably. <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Medicare adjusts hospital payment based on geographic variation. And, I don't know, they, they said something about... You can't even believe anything you read anymore. <laughs> What's even the point of doing a podcast? <laughs> Uh well, so they probably wrote that in like a month later when people started like complaining about this. <laughs> All right, we'll have criminal charges, but you'll have to get through lawyers and like hundreds of thousands of dollars first. <laughs> this is a fucked up system we live in. Um, so, <laughs> do I even want to talk about this? Um. Have you heard anything about the recent uh, um, stuff with Hunter Biden? I've read a headline. I haven't delved into it. Haven't delved into it? Yeah, tell me about it. Um, so there's, there's like, concrete evidence that um, um, certain medias, um, media outlets and social media sites have been purposely blocking the stories um, about Hunter Biden, which is both that he smokes crack cocaine, which, I mean, everybody knew, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that, uh, what was it exactly that there were, I think there were certain dealings, there's certain dealings overseas, I think in Ukraine and maybe possibly China where both of them gained financially. And basically he lied in the first debate when he said that there was nothing to do with that. Google's not going to show you anything. You're going to have to go to the New York Post. Because that's the whole problem with this is like they're trying to cover it up. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, fa- so Facebook and Twitter both. There's this New York Post article about Biden, and they they um, they made that link and a government link um, linking them both frozen and unable to be shared. Huh? Because they it was le- allegedly uh, hacked material, which is just bullshit. Yeah. Um. So it's very obvious that these that these uh, media outlets and companies are. Tr- trying to cover this up uh cnn msnbc have not covered this at all um and then they had the city hall debate um the very same night that they figured this out and they did not ask biden a single fucking thing about it <sighs> <laughs> that's been i i'm sorry to bring this up but you you brought covid so i thought no you're good you i'm just kind of eating as a as you're talking no, you're good yeah i, I haven't I literally just like saw a couple of headlines on Facebook and was like, eh, whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I usually, when it comes to current events and news, you can never really, I honestly, I don't have the time to really find the true stuff and there's so much fake stuff to go through. I really just kind of rolled with the punches and if I hear from enough people, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is something worth reading about myself, you know. But when it's just, when I just see one or two headlines, I usually just ride over my head and wait, wait for it to become a bit more official. No, and that's fair. Um, 
you know, and you know, that's a whole problem. This whole media circuit is it's really easy to either get sucked into it or, you know, not pay attention. Yeah. Or be oblivious to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's honestly, a, I'm probably more oblivious to it than I am. sucked And into that, it. you know, and that's totally fine. I, I do not blame anyone for being in that boat yeah. at all. It's yeah. fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah. Too much to keep up with and not enough time. Yeah. Um, I come from a very, like, uh, my parents are both lawyers and I come from a very like political background. I see. So I just have always had this natural inclination for like, there's something fucked up going on in government. It's a like, you know, I need to like be loud about it, you know? Sure. And sure. that's for, that's been for better and worse in my life. So. Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, so was this. Including one that you said would be interesting for me and my family emails obtained by the post show. So basically they just, yeah, th- there's the email leak. So this is very similar to like the Clinton email link, which is kind of, it's kind of a bizarre parallel between this and 2016. This is actually happening closer to the election than that. But so many people have already voted though. That's kind of the thing too, mm-hmm. you know, fuck. I was honestly, I was last night. I'm sorry. I know we're going totally up the tangent here sure but um i was honestly thinking to myself last night is there any point in voting really like I, I i really i had that i've you know i was gonna vote for joe jorgensen independent candidate because i cannot stand either of these fucking people uh-huh. and i'm like but like is there even any fucking like is there any point of me going to cast that ballot like is my vote actually gonna matter or is this whole thing rigged i don't I don't know. Yeah, it's better about, safe than so. I mean, I'd cast. It's it. true. It's true. Yeah. And and that's ultimately probably what I'll do. But yeah, yeah it is a real like is a real conundrum. Like when you feel like there's a system that isn't really an actual democracy or like any actually pulling in anyone's favorites you know, uh-huh. for the uh, advancement of a few. It's interesting. Sorry, I just want to. Yeah, you're straight. Completely fucking creates a tangent. Yeah, big tangent, but that's all right. <laughs> Freeform. We kind of go as we go. What do you think? Do you have any opinion? Uh, not on this nutset. I'm, I'm just not educated. <laughs> I feel like anything I say would just I'd be talking out of my ass. So yeah, I don't want to be one of those false information guys, you know, <laughs> or whatever. You're not a podcaster like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just not too educated about it. Um, so I guess to get away from this, um, we were talking and you mentioned you kind of want or we were kind of talking about different things to talk about. And you, one of the things that you mentioned that that was really um that could be impressed upon was uh, advice for young entrepreneurs is you being someone who's obviously created a lot in your business and all that. Sure. Sure. Um, so obviously I had a unique case as you know, as a kid, you don't have bills. Right. So I kind of had a unique case in getting started just at the fact of mowing lawns and then it all just kind of snowballed. It was, I never really anticipated to have it what it is now as my whole passion and life plan and whatnot. But I think for someone that's kind of our age that wants to kind of take that leap, there's a lot of resources out there, more than you'd expect. So I, I've gone to a couple of business incubators, and they happen on like a they. I think it's once a month, maybe three times a month. They do them at Gravitate in downtown Des Moines. They have some in Valley Junction, but essentially all these all it's like a committee of you know young local entrepreneurs that just come together, and it's basically just like a conversation. You know, all these entrepreneurs are facing the same problems, and you can just sit down and talk with one another about you know whether if these are entrepreneurs that already have their own business, we're talking about like how to hire the right employee, or it's a much more basic problem that's like how to come up with a business name or how to find my market, those kinds of things. There's a lot of resources out there. I think anyone that's kind of young and interested in it, just take advantage of that. You know, we live really live in a time where everything's available on the internet. You don't have to go to school to get a knowledge about business. You can go to the, the library and buy an old textbook. You know, you can read online a lot. I think there's a lot of resources out there. And also, you know, this year I've really kind of been focusing on 
like making myself larger on the internet. So last year mm. or two years ago, I started a website. Before that, I just had a Facebook and Instagram. Um, this year, I've been getting a lot more catalog shoots that you know look super professional, like the pictures I sent you that are white background mm. and such, rather than just a picture in my garage. You know, because I, I think with the internet, you can really no one knows how big you are in, until you tell them. So you know, people could think I got this huge corporation when it's just two guys, a dad and his son in his garage, right? Yeah. So I think right now we kind of have an interesting time where you can capitalize on that and really make yourself look bigger than you are and just kind of attract customers that way. Uh, I also think we're kind of blessed in the fact that there's tons of revenue sources out there. You know, whether mm. you, I've never tried Etsy, but, you know, from what I hear, it's got a lot of fees, but from what I hear, there's a lot of buyers on there too. Um, so, you know, you could get on with that. You could get on some yeah. other stuff. But I feel like we, we just live in a time where if you have, have a passion you have an idea for a business. I'm really just kind of against the idea of like working the nine to five, retire at 50, live for 20 years and, mm. you know, only work for two days a week. You know, everyone's working for the weekend. Like you should do what you love. You should just do what you love and make money at it. Yes. Truth. I, I fucking agree. And that yeah. it's really inspiring that. Um, so you're like you would you consider yourself like making a living from this? Uh, I mean, modestly. I don't know. I, I, I suppose. So UPS pays the bills pretty okay. much. Inspired Finds right now is, I wouldn't call it my fun money right now. I, most of my Inspired Finds revenue either goes to like frivolous spending, like maybe some eating out or whatnot, like just kind of frivolous extra spending, and then I put it back into the business. That's kind of what I do with a lot of the Inspired Finds money is pay for more photo shoots, uh, mm. buy more junk to repurpose, yep. pay a booth fee, that kind of thing. Uh, long term, I'd hope it to be like a you know a full-time career thing and have a storefront. Mm. But at this point, it's more so side money and UPS would be my main source. Okay. And I'm actually just part-time at UPS, so I only get about... 32 hours a week okay so so kind of talking about what you were just saying or mm-hmm. earlier with kind of yep. your future prospects what what are some of your you know what are, what are some of the things you want to look forward to doing in the future like you know business ventures or you know bigger projects what do you have in mind well uh i could go a number of directions so if i'm going on a rant here yeah about, go for if, it, yeah go if for i'm it. going like 15 miles an hour and you want me to slow down yeah, just tell me it. but essentially uh I suppose in like the next 10 years, uh, there's a few things I'd like to purchase. I'm, one, among them is a Volkswagen bus, and I probably want to spend like three months just traveling. Cause, nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've only traveled uh, pretty much all the states that touch us, and then I've been on like three vacations in my life. We went to D.C., Florida, and then like Mount Rushmore and such, but that's about it. And so I don't know what age level. We're not really going to need to delve into that. But basically, at some point, I'd like to buy a Volkswagen bus. I'm not an automotive guy. I, I don't know any auto work or anything, so probably already ready to drive and go, you know. And, you know, delve off and tour for about three, three months, six months or so, kind of before I'm really established in a career. You obviously can't do this stuff when you have a family or when you have a storefront and stuff like that. But while we're young is really why we have time for that. So that's probably my most immediate goal. Um, beyond that, and also while traveling, perhaps maybe find, do I really want to live in Iowa forever? Or maybe I find some place that I like better. Because I, I was all I've ever known. And yeah, right see. now, Des Moines sounds like an okay place to start a town, to start a storefront. There's also a lot of other vintage dealers in here. You know, you got Weston Salvage. They do kind of similar stuff. There's a lot of competition. So if I'm spending these three months kind of finding myself, if you will, out on this Volkswagen bus, maybe I'll find a town that could support Inspired Finds as well. Um, Once I kind of establish where I might want to live the rest of my life, I would probably like to try to just buy a lot of land. And I'm not really looking into the traditional buy a house. I have a different idea. You ever heard of cargo container homes, like shipping container homes? You should look that up. They look really sweet. Yeah, type that. So Damn. you can get a shipping container for like two grand or like 2,500, 2,800. You can get them super cheap. And these are actually really big in Texas. 
or like places that are a bit more tropical or warmer climate, if you will, you know, not less insulation. But you can essentially, oh, yeah, you can combine like one or three or five of these in different, there's a lot of different ways, flipping them vertical, stacking them, whatever. So like tiny homes kind of. Yeah, kind of like tiny homes. Okay. Kind of like tiny homes. But but it's not, I mean, but you're taking the container and you're renovating it versus building it. From, okay. Yeah, exactly. So I'd, I'd want to combine like maybe three of them or, or okay. something like that. And I, you know, let's say you buy a lot of land for like 25K or 35K or whatever. Get a couple of these on. I mean, honestly, you could probably be all in for like eighty grand, and eighty grand buying a house, you'd get a pretty dumpy house, right? Like you get an okay house, but nothing great. And here it's like it's custom how you like it. It's recycling, so I really love this idea. Otherwise, it'd also be open to um, getting like a not necessarily a bond, but you know those airplane hangers, those big curved metal buildings. Mm. Airplane hangar would be cool to be modeling into a house. Uh, getting grain bins and connecting like two or three grain bins in a network. That'd be a cool house. But essentially, like, I don't want to just get a regular-ass house. So maybe around like 30 or 35, whenever I've kind of decided the way I want to settle down and live my life, probably want to do something repurposed like this. That'd be pretty sweet. Damn. That is really cool. I like that middle one there. They have the three. They got a little balcony up top. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a cool one. Damn, that's tight. Um, have you ever seen those Mars homes? I don't think so, no. Look that up, Molly. You can actually buy them in the U.S., but they're they're these homes that are designed. They're like well, they're circular little dome. Yep. Interesting. Circular little dome things. And that's that's what they're trying to have people live in on Mars. But you can buy those in the. I don't know where. I think I want to say maybe West Coast. Yeah. Sounds sounds right. Sounds like where everything <laughs> where everything like that's that's at. where the trends take off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Midwest is always the last to get it. So usually when the, yeah. when there's a trend, whether it's I don't care interior design, fashion design, whatever the trend is. It usually starts on the West Coast, hmm. then goes off to the East Coast, and then maybe like Texas South, and then we're the last ones. We're usually about five to eight years behind. Whatever's <laughs> hot right now out in Cali, we won't see here for another three years. You know, hmm. three or five years, really. Yeah. Like right now, going back to this stuff, I guess, industrial, it's still kind of hot for me. And by industrial, I mean like big burly carts with big wheels, cast iron, that kind of thing. In Cali, that stuff was hot eight years ago, and now they were mid-century model. You know, so things change. There's always cycles, and then it comes back around. So it's it's kind of interesting to see that stuff. Um, otherwise, another thing that's kind of starting to resurge itself here in the Midwest is a lot more boho. You know, um, mm. a lot of wicker baskets. Still kind of that mid-century modern too. That's kind of starting to make a resurgence here. So I think that's kind of going to be an up-and-coming trend. Um, as far as how that applies to this stuff, you know, repurposing is always going to be cool. But essentially, got to keep up with the trends. So I can't always do mm. industrial stuff. I got to you know keep being innovative with the trends and whatnot too. Would you ever like um fuck what's the guy's name? The guy that restores the old game consoles. Like would you ever do like stuff like with really old tech? Like comp- old computers or anything like that? I haven't thought about it, you know. Uh, I wouldn't say no to anything off the bat. I'd hmm. have to maybe take take a look at something, figure out an idea what I feel like that might be really like what you do is great obviously, uh-huh. you know. Um but I think that would be really like uh, that would be like a whole other industry, a whole other market. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. I feel like you can get you can probably get that stuff for decently cheap if you look in the right places. Uh-huh. Right. I would think. Right. Um, what do you like you kind of talking about like the trend being the West Coast. Do you think COVID's going to change that at all? Do you think that we might see less go over there and more go other places in the US with COVID or You mean as far I, I don't know, can you Like like just like the trend and like the center of attention maybe? 
like just kind of what you're describing like how how it seems like everything in the west coast like happens in the west coast like, oh and like what the last the fact you think kobe's gonna change that yeah i'm um, just with you know people leaving um you know the uh their taxes are gonna skyrocket um you know it, oh see I, i'm not even, going up all that sure see i'm not even educated that. so right now oh. all people kind of leaving cali because of the fires on taxes and all that stuff is yeah that yeah okay well you want to look that up molly how many people are leaving la or I guess I don't know about Kelly as a whole, but, but yeah, at least the West LA. Coast in general. Yeah, the the spot. Um, but yeah, uh, it's from what I hear, it's a shit show over there. Um, okay, well, I mean, you suppose you can make an argument that the trends are going to change too, that they won't really flourish. So in this that is area. from September thirteenth. Do that first one. Daily Mail's pretty good. Excuse me. More people are leaving Cali than ever before, driven up by worsening wildfires, politics, and the skyrocketing cost of living. Uh, let's see. 2018, more than 86,000 people left California for Texas. Nearly 70,000 left yeah, Arizona. A lot of people are going to Texas. For Washington. Today, more than two dozen fires ripping through a record. Down two dozen. Was it? Yeah, two dozen fires are blazing, ripping through a record 3.1 million areas of land and killing 22 people, the worst inferno in the state's history. Wow. Wow, in the state's history. I didn't know that. Yeah, me neither. Jeesh. You know, you think it's interesting how quick those Australian wildfires quit being talked about? Like, people, hmm. that was this year, wasn't it? The, the wildfires. Yeah, that was, that was this year. year. And, like, dude, nobody, nobody that, was, fuck. that was the world of everyone. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, after, I don't know, not even a month, no one talks about it. God. It's like I don't. They were put out, but I'm sure there were tons of endangered species were lost mm. and all that stuff. You know, yeah. It's just it's like damn, dude. 2020 just feels like a long year. There's been so much to go on. So much fucking shit. I, I'm glad that you have. It sounds like you've kind of been trying to remain ignorant or not ignorant, but uh, don't let it affect uh, my personal life. Uh, yeah. Bliss or blissfully ignorant, I should say. Sure, I guess yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, and, and that's a good thing. Um, I'm not going crazy over any of it. <laughs> Honestly, for me personally, 2020 has been a great year. You know, hmm. I uh, had a one-year anniversary with my girlfriend. Uh, Inspired Finds is doing great. Um, a, a boss that I really had some conflict with retired, and my new boss is oh, awesome. So, awesome. like, all in all, 2020 has treated me personally really well. Damn. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of the... I can't think of terms today. The silver lining. <laughs> silver lining. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, that's kind of the thing with us too is like this podcast has taken off this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, other personal things have gone really well in 2020. Sure. Bad things and good things. It's just, sure. Yeah, it's really weird. 2020 will forever go down in history as being one of the most out of place, wackiest yeah. years ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I. So, yeah, I guess we are kind of covered that the um where can people how can people get a hold of you for like your custom work and all sure. that sure uh you know i mentioned the website over that'd be inspiredfindsfurniture.com okay. so it, it encompasses a lot of the same work as what my instagram and such does but it also has a lot more information too so it's like my social media just kind of share the picture and maybe a quick little snippet these are kind of tell a bit more of where i found this stuff or what purpose or function it serves that kind of thing it tells my history and about us pictures throughout the business all that stuff it's a bit more of like a deeper look into the business i guess if you will so there's ways to reach me here email will just be inspired finds furniture at gmail.com mm-hmm. my phone number's on there of course so there's a number of ways to reach me you can message me on facebook instagram whatever awesome i love they got a website all all professional all that it's great thanks yeah yeah, yeah i was pretty proud of this um that that's the i think that's the next step for us we need to get a website we need to 
get more on that kind of stuff. Sure. We're a little more professional. Sure. Um, Have you ever tried a around with different website making services like do you, what do you think of doing like google sites or wix or something i've heard of wix um you know to be honest i haven't really looked into it because that's okay. a whole other cost isn't it to so I, i'll tell you my insight on it so okay I, this i actually I, I didn't make this one i hired someone to make this one because i didn't oh. like doing a drag and drop so all you have on like the wix ones and google sites and there's like two or three other ones that are slipping in my mind right now you pick a template you type in some text boxes you drag and drop pictures and sure it's super quick and probably more affordable but I, I didn't like that. I, I did one of them for like, I don't know, oh, Weebly. That's the other one. I did mm. Weebly for like one year or so when I was much younger, still in high school. And I really didn't like messing with the drag and drop photos and upload. It was just a pain in the butt. So I actually ended up hiring um, Fox Web Design, which is some business I found out of Google that's here in Des Moines. And this oh, entire okay. process, she made this website in like a month, man. Wow. Yeah. And she used uh, GoGoDaddy. So she bought the domain and everything. So I paid for the domain. And then she just coded this right from scratch, typing the code for it. So, yeah. Uh, all I did was I would just send her the pictures. And I, of course, typed what I wanted to say on each section. You're like, what page do you want this on? I want this on the home page. That kind of thing. But, yeah, this was actually a custom-made site. So, I mean, I'm super proud of it. Wow. Damn. So I don't know how deep you want to go with your website. You just want to, you know, include backstory episodes. Maybe doing a drag and drop would work. But hmm. if you want to make it look super clean and polished or whatever, maybe hiring someone would work too, I guess. Hmm. Interesting. You have a lot of tricks up your sleeve, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> really awesome. Um, well, we've been talking here for a little bit. Um, I, I think unless you had anything, any other tangents you wanted to talk about that we didn't brush up on, I think probably a good time to wrap up. Um, what... You, did you bring another device of concoction here? Yeah, uh, this is pretty similar to the last one in the fact that it's a repurposed lamp, of course. This one, the main difference is this one uses a phone. So, of course, oh. everyone has seen a rotary phone before. That's cool as shit. Damn, I kind of feel bad we say this for the end. This is really yeah, cool. that's all right. So, this phone's actually an early one. I've made a lot of phone numbers before where you actually see the bottom where you went, this is one, this is two, you know, oh. whatever, you know, for typing the phone number. This one, it would have had an entirely different system. Like, a, a, the cords would have came out of this and connected to a different box to type the phone. This probably dates to, like, the 1930s, this phone does. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, I've also had what they call peers come through, and they'll be like, that's a really rare antique. Why would you drill holes and ruin and all this stuff? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've had, I, I've had that. And then you'll also find younger people that are like, oh, dude, it's so cool. It's, it's breathing new life into it. I see both demographics, but it's usually like the old people that see it as a fine mm. antique. Um, when I guess I decide of whether I'm going to do something with it, it's all based on condition and desirability. You know, Obviously, if it's the super rare piece, I'm not going to cut it up and all this stuff. But if it's... It literally serves no purpose other than decor to an antique collector. And there's numerous out there. It's not like it's a rare artifact. You know, I'd rather have it serve another purpose, too, and be appreciated yeah. a bit more. I appreciate that outlook. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that is kind of one of the problems with, like, uh, it, <laughs> this might sound a little anti what you do, but, sure, um, you know, materialism. Uh -huh. Like, uh, how people have such an attachment to things. Like, right. Yeah, like, that. I'm sure that everything that this all the parts of this phone was really cool and antique and you know that had its own purpose but the fact that you have created something else and given it even a newer more interesting purpose i think that's better right i agree mind. i agree yep so you know what fuck the haters <laughs> <laughs> fuck you grandma and grandpa i do what i want Um, well, yeah, I appreciate being invited, man. I've had a great time. Yeah, this has been fun. Um, yeah, I'm sorry um, if this is a little shorter, a little weird. It's kind of been. I have. I'm in the middle of midterms this weekend, so I'm kind of all over the fucking place myself. 
Sure. But um, this was still a great time, a great episode. Um, we'll we'll throw up some pictures of some of your stuff either at the end or the beginning, or um, I'll figure out time to put those in so um, people can get more of a uh, you know just you know besides what you've already shown us on Instagram and all this, you can get more of a I do what you do. Sure, so, of course, I appreciate it. Yeah, hell yeah! Uh, it's been a great time here with Zane Pinky, right? I've inspired fans. Of inspired finds. Yep, yep. It's been a great time. Um, stay tuned. Next week we're gonna have Koi Fish back on the episode, um, and then after that we're actually gonna be having our first live episode the week after. We're gonna do a <clears throat> Halloween special on that Saturday. We're gonna go on live, so it's gonna be a lot of fun. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming up later this month. Stay tuned for that. Otherwise, go check this motherfucker out. He's got some really cool shit. Um, really stuck that came in and I hope you all been hanging out drinking having a good time and yeah let's get out of here alright peace thank you everybody for tuning into today's episode um, Zane Hinky was a great guest it was a great time um, stay tuned next week we're gonna have Koi Fish on the episode on the, on the fucking podcast not the episode but there's a podcast and that's the episode so that's how it works why the fuck am I even doing the podcast? Um, so, yeah, we're going to have him on the show. We've had him on before. He's a very prominent EDM artist and close friend. So I'm anticipating that's going to be a great conversation indeed. It's been minutes since I've seen him. It'll be interesting to catch up and see what's going on with that. Um, otherwise, like I said, we got another, uh, like I've said in the beginning of the episode, um, we have the live Halloween episode to look forward to. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, I hope y'all been hanging out, drinking, chilling, having a great time. As always, 